We are busy with a series called The F Word. The word we never mention in church, but like we don't talk about this. This is something we don't want to hear about. And we said that word is finances. It's something that we don't always like to hear about because often it touches a very deep part of our heart. And if there's a reason for it, Jesus said in the Bible that the biggest competitor for a heart is money. It's God and money. Those are the two things that people struggle to decide which one is going to be on the throne of their heart. And therefore, Jesus spoke about money a lot. And therefore, we are busy talking about money, about finances, the F word. And we've already covered two of them. And today, we are at the third F word. Now, when I was growing up, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And I can remember we didn't get a lot of pocket money. So we got like 10 cents for each year that we were old. Okay, so when I was 10, I would get one rand. But then the first thing we would do when we would get our pocket money is my parents taught us that you take 10% out of that, so that's 10 cents, and we put that in an envelope. And since it wasn't a lot, we got our offering that our parents gave us each Sunday for church. But that part that came out of our own money, we kept that separate. And then every year in the 10th month, we used to have this big celebration at church where everyone kind of recommitted giving to God. And then we would take our little envelope with like 12, 10 cents in it, and we would give it to the church. So I grew up that tithing. And by the way, if you've ever heard the word tithe in church, it literally means 10%. Tithing doesn't mean it is money that you give. It means it's 10% of your money. So I grew up that that is what you give. But at some point in life, you have to pause and you have to ask yourself, is this actually what we're supposed to be doing? Is this what the Bible is saying? Or should it be something else? Am I just giving legalistically because that's the way I grew up? Am I just giving because it's a rule that I think is a rule? Or is this actually what God wants from me? Because if you've paid attention to the previous two weeks, God blesses a generous person, we read in the first week, we are blessed to be a blessing, but in the second week, sorry, we learned that God wants us to give with the flow of money, not against. And with this flow means we give with joy, we give um, with, a, with a heart that is in it, we don't give uh, in a negative way, we want to give in the right way. So therefore, it's important for us to figure out Are we supposed to give this or are we not supposed to give this so that we can give with the right attitude? And I don't know what your giving story is. I don't know if you give to church. I don't know if you give to an organization or to someone in need. We all have a different story. But what is important to me is that we do give. And if you're here today, you're like, oh, this is one of those giving talks and they're just going to ask me to give my money to the church, even if you're watching online. I'm going to do this disclaimer. If you don't trust the church and you don't want to give to the church, don't give to the church. We are a church plant, which means that we are reliant upon the people who join Prodea to be faithful in the giving. But if you're like, I don't want to give to a church that just asked for money, we're not asking you for your money today. I'm asking you to be generous, even if it's not to us. You can give to a charity. You can give to someone in need. But what I'm asking you is be generous. Why? Why am I asking you to be generous? We've already learned that it frees us from the grip of individualism, materialism, and consumerism. Listen, the way the world teaches us, your natural instinct will always be to use everything you have for yourself. 
to gain more material possessions that the Bible says nothing will come of this. Listen, I have sat next to people when they passed away. And I have never once in my life heard anyone mention anything about their money or their possessions. The only thing they've mentioned was always these two things, family, God. That's it. But the world will teach you that it's all about the stuff. And when you give, when you're generous, it will teach you that it's not all about the stuff. The second reason why I want you to give, to be generous, is because we learned in the first week that the Bible says God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. So when we give, we know that we're in line with God's will and that His blessing is on us. And the third reason is because your life can actually make a difference. And part of the difference you can make is through your giving. So this is my disclaimer. If you don't want to give to Prodio Church, this is not a talk about Prodio Church. This is a talk about your generosity and your heart. So today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about how much I should give. And I'm not going to give you a number in case you were worried about that. Our topic today, the third topic of the F Word series is the framework. Our third F Word is framework. We're going to look at a framework the Bible gives us that talks about how much we should give. So we all already covered in the first week why we should give. God blesses us to be a blessing, to bless us again so that we can be a blessing. We already said how we should give last week with the flow, with a generous heart, um, with joy, with excitement. And today we're going to say how much should I give? And our topic is the framework. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to work a little differently when we read. For, this, for the three weeks, we said we're going to be reading out of um, 1 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And we're still going to be reading from that today, but I don't want to start with it. I want to read to you a story that's super intimidating to me out of the book of Mark. And then we're going to go back and see what, how Paul joins into what Jesus said about money in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So we're going to start with the book of Mark today. We'll be reading from Mark 12, verse 41. If you've got your Bibles here, you can open to Mark 12, because we're going to keep referring back to it. If you don't have your Bibles here, it's going to be on the screen as well. So Mark 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Imagine this. The offering bucket comes around. Jesus is sitting next to you, and he's not awkwardly staring in front of him like we normally do. He's checking your hand. He's checking the offering bucket. I'm like, that, that makes, makes me uncomfortable. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him. Okay, now it's not just Jesus watching you. Now there's 12 others, and they're all like watching you. And Jesus is like, this is the lesson. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now let me ask you this. If Jesus was here today, if he's watching you, what do you think he would be expecting you to give? How much do you think is good giving? Like, is it a random amount? Is it a percentage amount? What do you think? 
How do you think Jesus would feel about the money that you're putting in the offering plate? We're not sending it around at the moment with COVID. So you might be doing an EFT or snap scan. You might be giving to a charity through some other means. But how do you think Jesus would feel about what you are giving if he was watching you? How do you think Jesus would feel about your generosity? The religious leaders in Jesus' time, and that's why I talked about money often, they thought it's simple. They loved rules because a rule is a tick, a tick box, right? So if you've got a rule like 10% that's often heard in, in most churches, that is a little block you fill in, and every month you can tick it off, and you, you've got a bit of a chip on your shoulder. You feel good about yourself because I ticked off another box, so that means God must love me. That's what the religious leaders thought. Tick the box off for prayer. God loves me. Tick the, bo- tick the box off for giving. God loves me. But what is interesting is Jesus always had an issue with these religious leaders because they didn't get what a relationship with God is about. They didn't get what generosity is about because it's not about ticking off boxes. So every time that Jesus speaks to people about little boxes they're ticking, whether that's murder, no, I didn't do it, tick off. No, I didn't steal. No, I didn't cheat on my wife. Jesus takes it deeper. You hated your brother. That's equal to death. Like what? You looked at another woman with lust. I'm never going to camps Bay again, some guys are thinking. Jesus is like, that's adultery. So Jesus even takes giving a little deeper, and he's like, it's not about ticking of a box. So what does Jesus teach us? And we're going to be looking at Mark. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I want to build us a framework today that will help you figure out what you should give to Prodea, to a charity, to someone in need. I want to help you to figure out what it means to live a generous life today. And we're going to have four parts to this framework. And when Jesus spoke about these two people, the two groups, the lady and the people with wealth, the rich people, he says in verse 41b, he says, many rich people put in large amounts. Tick the box. Jesus loves me. I gave so much money. Guys, I have been a pastor for 15 years. My dad was a pastor. My granddad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. His granddad was a pastor. His great-granddad was a pastor. We come as far back as, as like the 1600s probably. And the thing that I've seen over and over is people will always sit in the meeting and tell you like, oh, I've given this amount so the church should do exactly what I want to listen to me. The first thing I do is I don't look at the books what you give because I don't want anyone to ever told me that, because that is what the rich people thought, walking with a fat wallet in front of everyone, putting that in the offering basket, and everyone's like, oh, look at him, he's so holy, he's so good, look at, at him, he's so generous, but then Jesus says this in verse 44, he's like, whoa, 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 let's go deeper. They gave a tiny part of their surplus. They didn't give proportionally. They didn't feel it, and that is the first part of our framework. When you want to figure out how much you should give, if you want to figure out what generosity is, the first part of the framework is you need to give a proportional amount. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11 to 12, spoke about the Macedonian church that gave, like this lady, a poor church that gave to the work to help people in Jerusalem that were struggling. And he talks to the Corinthian church, the rich people who didn't want to give a lot. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11 to 12. He says, you should finish what you started, Corinthian church. 
Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. You see, this is what Jesus was saying. He was looking at the wealthy people who seemed to be giving a lot because the numbers, the zeros were a lot. But he's like, that's nothing. They're not, they're not giving out of, out of like the money they have to live off. He says they're giving out of their surplus. The stuff they would use to buy ice cream and Easter eggs, that extra money. They're giving out of that. They're not even feeling it. Other people is impressed. Jesus is like, I'm not impressed. Because they didn't give a proportional amount. But what is interesting to me, what's so beautiful to me about God, is that God doesn't come to us today and say, each of you should give 10,000 rand. Some of you might be like, whoa, that's easy. And some of you are like, I will never eat in my life again, if that was the rule. Jesus doesn't ask, God doesn't ask of us to sacrifice more than we can afford. It's not like other world religions. It's not like a TV show where there's some kind of alien or a monster and they're like, if you don't sacrifice five of your village people every month, then we're going to destroy everyone. There's one time in the Bible when it seemed like God was doing that with Abraham, where God goes to Abraham and God is like, Abraham, sacrifice your son. But God didn't care for the sacrifice of Isaac. God cared about Abraham's heart. So the moment when Abraham said, yes, God took Isaac away, he saved Isaac and God gave him a ram to sacrifice. God doesn't ask you to give what you do not have, what you cannot afford. What we give should be according to our means. Paul says, according to what you have, not what you do not have. It is not healthy to give, and your children cannot eat today. But don't say, I can't give, and you buy your children five kilograms of rump steak. Okay. There's a difference. But I believe that is why the percentage principle that the Old Testament and the New Testament as well, to an extent, works on so well. Because, by the way, 10% isn't a golden rule. In the Old Testament, we read about Abraham who gave 10%. But we read about other times in the Old Testament where they gave more than 10%. They gave this 10%, then they gave this amount for this purpose, and then that amount. And in the New Testament, we only read about the tithe three times. But I think Jesus didn't talk about it so much because it's like the proportion is important. And what 10% does is when we give 10%, it is in proportion for all of us. I remember in our previous church, a guy once came to me and he's, he, they were a family of doctors. And this is years ago, but he said, listen, if we have to give 10%, it's like 15,000 rand a month. But he said this in a negative way. It's like, we can't give that much. And I'm like, but someone who earns 10,000 rand a month needs to give 1,000, but you can't give 15,000 when you're earning 150. But he felt the 15,000 could pay the new Mercedes AMG that they wanted to buy. But for the person earning 10,000 rand, that 1,000 rand pays off their motorbike. For the person earning 1,000 rand, the 100 rand pays off their bicycle. For the person earning 100 rand, the 10 rand pays the bus ticket. See, so suddenly... It is in proportion. 
And what happens when we give in proportion is we give enough so that we have to rely on God and saying, God, giving 10% away means that I only have to, I, I, I only have 90% to do with what everyone else does or 90%. So now suddenly we're not living in our own strength. We don't have to rely on our own ability to just make money and earn money and spend money. Now we have to, in this whole process, include God in the works and say, God, you have to help this work out because on my own, this 90% is not going to cut it. And that is why I believe the proportional amount works so well because God doesn't want you to be so generous that it leaves you lacking your basic needs. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, God, give us our daily bread. That's a basic need. By the way, he didn't teach them, God, give me bread for two weeks. Give me my daily bread today, God. I need you in this day to take care of me, to supply in my needs. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 15, Paul says, this is why the proportional amount is so, so important. He says, the goal is that the one who gathered much don't have too much, and the one who gathered little does not have too little. He's like, we're all feeling it, but we're not feeling it too much, but we're not feeling it too little. This is just like a good place to be at. Proportional giving leads us to trust in God with what we keep. God, we need your help with this. We need you to come through for us. I'm not giving from my surplus where I don't need God to help me with my finances. I'm giving from what I don't have, what, what out of my budget, that's at the first topic, so that I, can need, I need God for the rest of the 90%. So if you're not giving today, what do you do? You start with a proportion. If you're giving nothing, you move to something. Like, Louis, I have never used my money for anything in my life except myself. That's why you are struggling. You start with 1%. And next week or next year or next month, you go to 2% and then 5% and then 8% and then 10%. And you keep working at it. And we're going to see what the rest of the framework is like so that you can get to a healthy place where you should be giving at. But if you're not giving, I want to encourage you to move from nothing to something, to start giving proportionately. Jesus talks about the rich people, and he's like, listen, they seem like they're giving a lot, but they're giving from the surplus. But then in verse 44, he talks about this old lady, and he says, she, as poor as she is, has given everything. She was generous. And that is the second the second principle, the second part of our framework is give a generous amount. So we give proportionately, but we still haven't talked about an, an amount. The second thing is we want to give a generous amount. She has given what she could. She didn't give the, like a little bit. She gave more than she could actually afford. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11, this is what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, you will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's like, listen, God blesses us. God takes care of us. Not just that we can live for ourselves and use everything for ourselves and on ourselves. God wants to use us, and He wants us to be generous. 
Why? And I think there's two big reasons why God wants us to be generous. The first is that everything we do speaks. Everything we do speaks. When you look at children, now I was a youth pastor for five years. And we used to have these sea camps where it was five churches that got together, and they would come with these buses, and Yolanda and I would drive to the camp beforehand, and I would sit there on our little chalet thingy on the patio, and I would watch all these kids get off the bus, and you started like figuring them out. You don't know four-fifths of the kids, but you start figuring it out. That one's going to be an issue. And then you already know, like, he's, there's, there's an issue at home. His parents might be alcoholic. And then the week goes on, and you get to know him, and he comes to speak to you because his dad is alcoholic. You know how you figured that out? Because children speaks, they speak of the parents who raised them. And I'm not saying bad parents have bad children and good parents have good children. No, I'm actually, I am saying it. But the Bible also says that a good parent can have a bad child, and a bad parent can have a good child. That's in Ezekiel 40. I remember correct. But most of the time, 90-something percent of children will follow the habits of their parents. So just like a child speaks of their parents, so we speak of whatever we value the most, of whatever God we serve. And I want my life to speak of a God that was so generous that He didn't keep anything from us. He gave His Son to die on a cross. So I want to be so generous that when people look at me, they're like, why are you giving so much of your time? Why are you so generous with your talents? Why are you always helping people? Why are you giving so much of your money away? I want to be able to say, because the God that I serve has given me so much that I can never outgive Him. But the second reason, we read in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 8, He tells the Corinthian church, I want you to give generously because I want to test the sincerity of your love. I want to see what's going on in your heart. Our money flows to what we value most. So there's two reasons I think that we can give. Two reasons why people like to give. It's not only Christians that give, by the way. All kinds of people give. But the first reason why, why people like to give is to receive. There's a big group that's sinking wells all over the country and doing all kinds of work that's part of a different religious group. And people are always like, oh, they're so generous. They don't do it because they necessarily care about anyone. They do it because the more good they do, the better they believe place they will earn in the afterlife. There's other religions, religious groups that believe the better person I am, the more I give, the better a thing I will return as. If I don't give, I'm coming back as a cockroach. If I do give, I'm coming back as a prince. Some people give like philanthropists because they like people patting them on the back and saying, you're so good. You're so amazing. Look at all the money they're giving. This person is so amazing. So the first reason that we can give is to receive, whether that is power, whether that is fame, whether that's a pat on the back, whether it's the belief that we get something out of the deal. The first reason is we give to receive. But the second reason is the Christian reason. 
We don't give to receive. You see, you don't need to give for Jesus to love you. You don't need to give to go to heaven. You can never give in your life, and if you believe, truly believe in Jesus, you will go to heaven. But let me add this. If you truly believe in Jesus, you will follow in his footsteps and be generous. But I don't give to receive something back from God. I don't even give to receive a blessing from him. I give because I have received, and he has changed my heart. You see, I want to be generous because my generosity flows from a heart, we said in the second week, that has received more than it can ever give. So we're generous to represent the generous God we have, but we're also generous once it changes our heart. Paul is like, I can see in the way you give, not in the amount, not in the amount of zeros, in the way you give in your generosity, I can see whether you got this Jesus thing or not whether you're a passionate follower of Him, whether you have truly received His grace or not. After the Great Depression, it was in the 30s, 1929 to, I think, 36. I don't think anyone here was alive back then. And I don't think anyone online was alive, because they probably won't be online. But after the Great Depression, I once read this, South Africa was per capita, so per head, per person, the biggest givers to missions in the world. Per capita, we outgave North America, Europe, Australia, Asia, any place in the world. We were the one, number one givers to missions in the world. And I'm like, how on earth do you give to other people if you've just gone through years where you didn't have enough rice to feed your kids. We didn't have enough flour to bake bread. How can you then be so generous? And what I realized is because our ancestors truly followed God, and they didn't have all kinds of fancy watering systems to make sure that even though there's a drought, the crops are still growing. Do you know what the watering system was? The rain that God sent. They couldn't just go to a corporation, buy a bunch of food for the animals. They had to, their supply of food was the God of heavens that made sure that there was enough grass. And although they were going through a depression, the only thing that carried them through the Great Depression was their faith in God. So when they had the opportunity to be generous, they're like, we are all in because the God who has supplied to us in the past will supply to us now. Their hearts were so completely committed to God that they had no other choice. They couldn't help but to be generous. I want to tell you, generosity is a measure of whom we rely upon. You can't be generous without relying on Jesus, but it's not going to happen continuously. You will give once or you will give twice and you might get a pat on the back and give three times. But most of the time, it won't be a lifestyle unless you get something out of it. But when we truly follow Jesus, it shows that we, and we truly rely on Him, we can be generous, not because we rely on our money or a pat on the back, but because we know that God will supply in our every need so that in every opportunity we see, we can bless others. So if you're not giving today or you are only giving a little bit away, you're only a little generous, I want to encourage you to move from something to generously.
to generous giving. And I want to encourage you to move from something to generous to regularly. Because following Jesus doesn't mean that this is a once-off deal. It means that I continue to give as He continues to give. So we move from nothing to something. We move from something to generosity. And in brackets, regularly. And then this is what happens next in the story. In verse 43, Jesus says, he teaches them about what just happened between the rich and the poor. And he says, you, he tells the disciples, he says, I tell you the truth. This is not a lie. I'm not joking about this. You saw the huge numbers, the huge zeros that the rich people gave. You see the two little, not silver coins, not gold coins. You see the two copper coins. You saw that, that the widow gave. And he says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. She didn't give more than one rich man. She gave more than all the money combined that everyone in the temple gave. And you're like, Louis, that's impossible between, because two copper coins are worth less than one silver coin. And some people gave hundreds of silver coins. So how is this possible that she could give more? It is because God doesn't measure the amount of zeros God measures the heart. And that's our third part of the framework. We have to give a heartfelt amount. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul told the church, how much did you give? He's like, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Where's my, fr- my verse? I? And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You must decide in your heart how much you're going to give. Paul doesn't specify an amount. He specifies that it needs to be felt in the heart. A heartfelt amount. The tithe is spoken about in the New Testament three times. In Matthew 23, verse 23, the Pharisees, they ticked all the boxes. They come to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, look at us. We're so great. Every month, guess what? We give our tithe. Every month, we do all the prayers at the right times. We've got all these boxes ticked, and Jesus says, yeah, you should do that. That's good. You should tithe. You should pray. But you shouldn't neglect compassion. It's like you see your heart is not in generosity. Your heart is not about making a difference in people's lives. Your heart is not about expanding God's kingdom. Your heart is about ticking boxes. And that is not what the kingdom is about. It's not about religious good works. It's not about getting to heaven. It's about the heart. What we give is not tied to the number, but to the attitude behind the number. Right in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, we read about the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And Cain, was he planted a bunch of stuff. And he gave to God, and this is what the Bible said, he gave some of the fruits. And then Abel, his brother, he was an animal farmer, and it says that he gave fat from the firstborn. And God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. It's like, but they both gave. Cain might even have given more than Abel. So why didn't God accept Cain's offering? And God actually tells him, because your heart is wrong. 
And we read that in Hebrews 11 verse 4, that Abel, we read, by faith he brought God an offering. He didn't give because he had to. He gave it in faith. He gave it. His heart was in it. Cain was just like, I think I need to tick this box. So I'm going to give this to God, but I don't necessarily want to do this. And God is like Cain. And he tells him this in Genesis. If your heart was different, I would have accepted your offering. See, it doesn't help us to give proportionately. It doesn't help us to give generously if our heart is not in it. We can so easily fall into a pattern of giving without ever reevaluating it. You remember my story when I was little? That was our pattern. You took out the 10 cents and you put it in the envelope because that's going to the church. And somewhere in your life, you have to stop and you, re-have, you have to reevaluate. Am I just doing this as a religious good work, as a pattern? Or am I giving it because it's coming from a heart? What would it look like if you went home today? And if you're married, you and your wife sit down. If you're engaged, you and your fiance, if you're on your own, you sit down. And instead of just writing a number, instead of just grabbing whatever is in your wallet and bringing that to church, what if you sat down today, and again, if you don't want to give to the church, you give to someone else. That's fine. But what if you went home today and you sat down and you tell your spouse, we need to talk about what God is telling us to give. We're not just going to give him whatever is left at the end of the month. We're not just going to give because we have to. We're going to hear what he's saying. Giving with a heartfelt attitude helps us to continuously examine the motives of our heart. When you give and you start to feel the burn, like really badly, like I don't think I, need, I, I should continue giving, that's an indication that your heart might not be in the right place. Not like, I've got a measure. I've got a check. I need to go and recheck my heart. So we move from nothing to something, from something to generous, from generous to regularly, and then from regularly we move to reevaluation. We don't just give because we have to. We reevaluate our heart's motives continuously. And the last thing, the fourth thing, verse 44, Jesus said, and we already spoke about this, but this is a little different. He said, she poor as she is, has given everything. We know that God doesn't want what you do not have. But there is a time in our lives when we have to give a sacrificial amount. You see, there is a time when we have to, give, when we have to be faithful with our normal, regular giving that honors God. But then there's a time when God calls on us to give over and above what we have given. And this is actually what the early church, the Macedonian church, did. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3, Paul says, I testify that they gave as much as that they were able. That is their proportionate, generous, heartfelt amount. But then... They went beyond their ability entirely at their own. The New Living Translation says, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their, of their own free will. Guys, God is not asking you to always give more than you can afford. But every now and again, there is a time for us to truly be sacrificial. Sacrificial means not generous. It means I feel the sting. It cost me something. I'm not going to eat salmon this month. 
I'm going to eat sardines. I'm not going to eat white bread. I'm going to eat half a loaf of brown bread. Not every month, but this month. Because God has laid something special in my heart, the difference that I need to make, a cause I need to give for. You see, the Macedonian church didn't do this every month, but there was a need in Corinth that was so bad that this church said, although we are poor, we've got more than they have, and we need to make a difference there. So they dug into their pockets deeper, and they took out, and they sacrificed for that month so that someone else could live. And maybe that is what God is asking you. COVID-19, we had people when we started up our, our COVID-19 relief fund that went beyond what they normally gave, that doubled what they normally gave. Maybe churches are suffering through COVID-19, and maybe this is a time when God is calling you to be sacrificial. Maybe there's a specific mission that God is lying in your heart. Maybe it's a, a building project at a church. Maybe it's a special outreach. Maybe there's someone in dire need. But there's a time when God says, you give proportionately, you give generously, you give heartfelt, but I'm asking you to sacrifice, like God sacrificed Jesus, because the greatest need the world ever had was the need to be reconciled with God, and God said, I'm going to dig deep for this. And maybe He's asking you to dig deep today. Sacrificial giving helps us to move the work of the kingdom forward in leaps and bounds. Normal giving helps us to move forward one step at a time. Sacrificial giving helps us to give a huge leap forward. So if your motive is healthy, if you're giving generously and regularly and proportionately, I want to ask you today, if you're doing all of those already, what special need is God placing on your heart today? Then consider moving to sacrificial giving. So is the task still important? Yes, it is. Jesus said, yes, you should do that in Matthew 23, 23. But we're not under the law. And by the law, way, the law wasn't just 10%. There was different amounts. But we're not under that. We're not ticking a box. I just think that's a good starting point. I think that's a good, healthy, proportionate place to be at. But at the end of the day, that is not what we base our giving on. At the end of the day, as a Christian, it's about so much more. It's about something so much deeper. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to be different. I want the world to look at me and see that there's something so significantly different in me that they want to ask me why. I want them to see it in the way I speak, in the way I act, in the way I give of my time and my talents and my treasures, in the way I make a difference in this world. And I pray, God, that you would guide each one of us in our path of generosity. That this framework that you've given us will help us to be faithful stewards of what God has given us. Teach me how to give proportionately. Teach me how to give generously. Teach me how to give heartfelt. And teach me when to give sacrificially. May everything we give, our time, our talents, our treasure, 
Help to move your kingdom forward in this broken world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.